line is muted. Only the host can unmute your line. Raise your hand using star 2 so the host knows when you want to speak. And hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in our hearts to God. And so I want to welcome Connie, Florida, Shepherd, see if I can get this, Shepherdini. <laughs> Shiaparini, I believe that's correct. If I butchered your last name, I apologize. Um, the first song we're going to sing is one of my favorites, Savior Like a Shepherd Lead Us. We need a shepherd, don't we? And this is taken from the Old School Hymnal, page 61 in the Old School Hymnal. And I'm going to have Mark, my son, help us lead the song service here. So I need to move the camera over to that side of the room. There we go. Whoops, I'm sorry about that. All right, Mark, go ahead. Savior, like a shepherd, lead us, but we need thy tender care. In thy pleasant pastures feed us, for our use I fully wear. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Christ by us thine we are. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Thou hast by us thine we are. We are thine now, love you, friend us. Be the guardian of our way. Keep thy flock from sin defend us. Seek us when we go astray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus. Hear, O oh, hear us when we pray. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus. Hear, O oh, hear us when we pray. Thou hast promised to receive us, poor and simple though we be. Thou hast mercy to relieve us, grace to cleanse and power be free. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, early let us turn to thee. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, Early let us turn to thee. Early let us seek thy favor. Early let us do thy will. Blessed Lord and only Savior, with thy love our bosom still. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved us, love us still. Blessed Jesus, blessed Jesus, thou hast loved us, loved us soon. Okay, let's sing another one of the hymns. Um, how about page 242, the old school hymnal, and this is written by William Cowper. And notice the first line says, Almighty King, 
whose wondrous hand supports the way to sea and land. <laughs> Almighty he whose wondrous hand supports the way to sea and land, whose grace is such a boundless source, no heart shall break and sighs for more. Thy providence supplies my food, and tis thy blessing makes it good. My soul is nourished by thy word, let soul and body praise the Lord. My streams of our comfort from him who built this earthly frame. Whate'er I want his bounty gives, by whom my soul forever lives. Either his hand preserves from pain, or if I feel it heals again, from Satan's malice shields my breast, or overrules it for the rest. Forgive the song that also beneath the gratitude I owe. It means I praise, however poor, and angel song can do no more. Okay, the last one we're going to sing before we move over to the other part of our service is taken out of the Psalter, page 46, 92C. 46, 92C. It's good to thank the Lord. It's good to thank the Lord, to praise your name most high, to show your love and on your faithfulness all night. The ten-string wire, which we most lose and reflame of your praise inspire. Your deeds, Lord, made me glad. I joy in what you've done. How great your doings, Lord, how deep your thoughts, each one. Whose one be shown, the stupid can accept this truth to him alone. Those sinners grow like weeds, ill-doers blossom they. Their dingy be destroyed, you Lord, exalted say. Lord, your foes fall. See how your foes may even men are shattered all. You raise my God's my horn, pour fresh oil on my head. You made me see the spies and hear what waters said. Like driving foam. The righteous grows like cedars all on Lebanon. The planted by the Lord shall in God's works be seen. When others fill their fruit and flourish fresh and green. And while proclaim, how upright is the Lord, my rock, no wrong in me. Okay, we're going to see if Brother Mark has joined us. We've got a good group with us tonight. 
Ani, James, Bill Costa, Thomas Edward Morgan, Mark Kennedy, um, Word in Action Ministries, Lee Rogers. Now let me see if I can find, uh, I don't see Mark on the other uh, program. So Mark, if you want to dial in, we're ready for you on TalkShoe. We'll be starting in about six minutes, Mark. Uh, we're glad that everyone could join us tonight. We also have Brother John from Toronto as well. Uh, so we have a good group. Now Mark is going to read some scripture for us, and then we'll go back. We've got two Marks. We've got Mark Kennedy, Mark David Kennedy, and we've got Mark Phillips. So um, let's see if we can get Mark on here for reading of the scriptures. Revelation chapter 10, 1, 1 through 6. I saw another mighty angel come down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was upon his head, and his face was as it were the sun, and his feet as pillars of fire. And he had in his hand a little book open, and he set his right foot upon the sea, and his left foot on the earth. And crying with a loud voice, as when a lion roared. But when he had cried, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders had uttered their voices, I was about to write. But I heard a voice from heaven saying unto me, Seal up those things which the seven thunders uttered, and write them not. And the angel which I saw stand upon the sea and upon the earth, lifted up his hand to heaven, swear by him that lived forever and ever, and he created heaven. And the things that therein are, and the, and the earth, and the things that therein are, the sea, and the things which are therein, that there should be time no longer. And where was that found again? Revelation chapter 1, 1 through 6. Okay. Chapter 10, 1, 1 through 6. Oh, okay, well, thank you very much, Mark. Yeah. Okay, well, nice cool day here in Pineville, Missouri, in the Ozarks. Beautiful day today. Good, perfect weather almost. Couldn't account for it any better. Now I'm going to unmute Brother Mark's mic. And good evening, Brother Mark. How are you? Very well, brother. Good evening to you. Yes, yes. We've got a good crew of people on board with us tonight. I'm thankful for everyone that's joined us. And uh, I'm going to ask Mark to help me tonight. Um, You know, it's amazing how many times we can read through the Bible, and we constantly can gain more and more insight into God's Word. God's Word is living. <laughs> it's not static, not dead. It's a living Word. And it's just as much more, it's just as much apropos or appropriate for today as it was uh, back during the time of the disciples or even back during the time of the prophets. So, uh, that's something that I've often been amazed about, is the relevancy of God's Word, regardless of 
what time period or dispensation of time we're living in. Okay, so tonight we're going to not read as much scripture as we read this morning. Uh, we're going to focus in, well, I hope I'm telling the truth, <laughs> hopefully. Um, but I want to read in Acts 2, um, there's some really good things to be gleaned here. Um, I want, if Mark would, to start with verse 23 and to read down through um, verse 28 and then we'll we'll continue from there and I'll uh, we'll read some more scriptures after that but anyway 23 down to 28 brother mark okay Acts chapter 2 right yes okay starting at verse 23 in the King James version verse 23 him that is Christ, of course, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. Verse 24, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. Verse 25. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, verse 26, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Verse 27, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Verse 28, thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Well, thank you, brother, Brother Mark. And uh, we started there in verse 23. That whole chapter is just phenomenal. But verse 23, of course, mm -hmm. shows the absolute sovereignty of God over, yeah. the crucifix, over the crucifixion of his son, um, a lot of people. A lot of people want to give. Um, they want to accuse uh, the Jews of killing Jesus. They want to accuse the Gentiles of killing Jesus. Uh, uh, we, you know, we we actually uh, crucified him many times by our disobedience. Crucify the Lord afresh. The Bible says. But in reality, no one could have put a hand on Christ if it hadn't been predetermined before the foundation of the world. By the way, when it talks about a determinate council, it means it was determined by the council. Who was the council? Again, we talked about that this morning. The council is mm -hmm. the Godhead, Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It was determined by the council and the foreknowledge, okay, God had foreknowledge that all this was going to happen for him. Yes. And uh, he had, by wicked hands, had crucified and slain. That doesn't get the Jews off the hook. 
It doesn't get the Gentiles off the hook. It doesn't get Pilate off the hook. It doesn't get us off the hook, does it? <laughs> okay. That's right. But, Amen. But the, the point is, is that God is sovereign over it all. Now, he talks about whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, speaking of the resurrection. Now, the 25th verse is a phenomenal verse, and if you have a highlighter, highlight this and circle it in your Bible and put red around it or whatever, because this is this was one of those verses that was a big, big deal to me, okay? What it says is, David speaketh concerning him. Who's him? <laughs> him is Christ. David speaketh concerning Christ. I foresaw the Lord, we could also say Christ, I foresaw Christ always before my face. For he is on my right hand, and I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. Now we know that it's also speaking of Christ in the first person, because we know that Christ is the one that rose from the dead here. Uh, it says here very specifically that he would not leave his soul in hell, neither would he suffer his Holy One, capital Holy, capital One, mm-hmm. speaking of Christ, see corruption. But it also says, Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. So speaking of Christ in one instance, but it's also speaking of David because David is the one doing the speaking in verse 25. Because it says, For David speaketh concerning Christ. Okay, now, it goes on and says, uh, I'm going to have Brother Mark, do you have any comments about these verses that we've just read before we move on, brother? Oh, sure. Yes. Um, verse 23 is very good because it shows that 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 the crucifixion of Christ was in the foreordained plan of God, and he used these wicked humans to do it. And the wicked humans that did it are still held accountable, even as they are used by God to fulfill the purpose of the predetermined counsel of God to crucify Christ. I love that. That means that God is the author of it, and he uses these wicked hands to do it. And at the same time, he holds the wicked hands of the people who did it that he ordained to fulfill that purpose. He still holds them accountable. That is awesome sovereignty, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Now, I want Brother Mark to go on um, and read for us. By the way, this is uh, where... I really want to focus in tonight. Um, the verses 29 uh, through uh, 30, 36 is phenomenal teaching. Um, and so we, 
we cannot overemphasize the importance of verses 29 through 36 because what this does, like we were talking this morning, as Mark reads through this, think about the Old Testament saints here. This is what this is referring to. David was a prophet and a king, and this is all referring back to the Old Testament times of David and his knowledge and relationship with Jesus Christ. Okay, 29 through 36, Brother Mark. Very good. Acts chapter 2, verse 29. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Verse 30. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. Verse 31, he, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. Verse 32, this Jesus has hath God raised up, wherefore we are all witnesses. We all are witnesses. Verse 33, therefore being by the right hand of God exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this which ye now see here. Verse 34, for David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, the Lord said unto my Lord, sit thou on my right hand. Verse 35, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Verse 36, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. You know, the first time I read through this, these passages that we just read through, I did a major, <laughs> a major wowie, okay? Because first of all, let's talk about prophets for a minute. Um, mm-hmm. There were the major prophets and the minor prophets. We know who they are, you know. Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, and so on. Um, But here it says, in verse 30, uh, it says, first of all, let me read verse 29. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch. So he calls him not only a patriarch, but he also calls him a prophet in verse 30. Therefore, Mm -hmm. being a prophet. Now, what does that mean? Well, David was not only a patriarch, he was not only a king, but he was also a prophet. and means he foretold of future events that were going to happen on this earth. He was a foreteller of the truth. And it says that he being a prophet and knowing, is that interesting, he just didn't speak something half-heartedly out of his mouth. He knew what he was speaking about, knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him. Now, how 
how would God have sworn with an oath to David? Now, this is where, uh, if you want to go and study through the Psalms, uh, I would highly recommend doing a study of the Psalms and David's relationship with God. It's phenomenal. There's one scripture, mm-hmm. and you know, in the 51st chapter of Psalms, it was after David was caught in adultery with Bathsheba, and his prayer was, Lord, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. David, as a prophet, had the Holy Spirit of God residing in him that was directing him and guiding him and protecting him and so on. So here we see that being a prophet, David knew that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the Mm -hmm. fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, it doesn't say that he would raise up someone that would be a king in his stead. That's not what it says. What it right. says is that he, he knew, okay, he had knowledge that he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. David knew this. Isn't that, that just still, every time I, I read that, I'm amazed because now we're not talking about uh, David's physical kingdom here. We're talking about a spiritual kingdom. Christ said, my kingdom's not of this world. He said, if my kingdom were of this world, I would tell my subjects to fight. Okay? But he says, my kingdom is not of this world. So David knew that God was going to raise up a spiritual kingdom. And it says, he's seen this before he spake, spake of the resurrection of Christ. It had to be a spiritual kingdom for Jesus Christ to raise from the dead, right? Yes. yes. He says, Jesus hath raised, this Jesus hath God raised up. He refers back, it's interesting because I like the way, uh, uh, I think this is, uh, uh, is this Peter or Paul? This is Peter, I believe, speaking here. But because it says in verse 14, Peter standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice. So I think this is Peter speaking. Uh, But anyway, he says here, uh, this Jesus, what Jesus? The same Jesus that David referred to had revealed this to him. Okay? This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, Jesus Christ is by the right hand of God, exalted, and having received the promise, the Father, the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. And like Mark read, David is not ascended to heaven, but he saith unto him, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. So let all the house of Israel know. Notice he did not say, let every man and boy and woman, girl, and the whole world know. No, that's not what he said. He said, let all the house of Israel know, assuredly, that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, um, we see what the result was of that. We're going to see it as Mark continues, but... I'm going to turn it over to Mark. And Mark, do you have any any comments about uh, this these passages from 30 through 36? 
Yes, these uh, these are interesting. The first couple of verses here, 29, 30, and 31. If we look back at the first chapter of the of uh, the book of Matthew, it has the complete lineage of Christ from from before David through the line of David and on to Christ. And that's yes. what I see in some of these scriptures here, referring to how he saw it beforehand, especially that one, uh, where was it? Oh, yeah, verse 31, he's seeing this before. And so that that's what thought came to my mind, the lineage enumerated in the first chapter of Matthew there. Right, right. Well, I think you know, I want to just make a comment. Um, in the 18th Psalm, uh, here we have David praying. And he says, I'm just going to read a few verses here. I will, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high powers. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies. Uh, then he talks about the sorrows of hell compass me about, the snares of death prevent me. In my distress, I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him, even into his ears. Then the earth shook and trembled. The foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken, because he was wroth, and so on. Um, isn't it interesting that David refers to his Lord as his rock, his fortress, his buckler, his strength, and the horn of his salvation? I find that just really interesting. Um, yeah, before we go on, did you have any other any other remarks, uh, Mark, on this on this uh, on these passages? David was a man after God's own heart. It was wonderful in that way, and yet David had the same infirmities with sin that we do, and it's amazing, and and I think of that a lot because I'm so sinful, and I, and yet I have this hope beating within my chest, you know, of the glory that is to come, and yet when I of what a wicked and sinful creature I am. It really gets me down sometimes. And then I think of David, how he was a man after God's own heart, and he had the same struggles with sin that we do. It's a really good point. I feel the same thing about the Apostle Peter, too. Peter yeah. had a lot of struggles with flesh, and, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, he was very several times he was rebuked by our Lord. In fact, one time Christ even said, "Get thee behind me, Satan." You know, referred to him because right. Peter was not was not listening to the voice of Christ. He was listening to to the devil, and that's that's us too. You know, and uh, so when you right. refer to David and you're seeing your own self, I I also talk about Peter a lot, and mm-hmm. I want. This is just 
uh, a little blip in the uh, 34th chapter of this book I've written. It's entitled, But I Have Prayed for Thee, That Thy Faith Fail Not. Next to Christ himself, one of the first people I would like to meet when I get to heaven is the Apostle Peter. I can relate to him on on so many different levels, how often I have been proud and gotten in the flesh, how often have I denied my Lord by my actions. But the great thing we must remember and emphasize is that Christ prayed for Peter and used him in the proclamation of the gospel. <laughs> okay. And so like 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 uh, David gives you comfort, Peter gives me comfort to know that God is able to preserve us and keep us and cause us to repent when we do sin, brother. So I, I, I totally agree with you on that. Amen. Okay, let's go on and let's read uh, verses 36 down through 42. Okay. In Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 42, in the King James Version, verse 36, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made, hath made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Verse 37, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles. Men and brethren, what shall we do? Verse 38, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Verse 39, For the promise is unto you and your and to your children. And to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Verse 40, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. Verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Verse 42, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. Well, you know, um, this is really interesting because it says that now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. now. Now, this is Larry's translation. I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying this happens to be my understanding of this. If I'm wrong, I stand corrected, okay? But when they were pricked in their heart, they had life, okay? They would not have been pricked in their heart had they not already been given life, okay? We cannot be convicted of our sin unless we have the Holy Spirit residing in us. How can a dead person be pricked in their heart? Okay. So, and then notice that they were already made willing to do whatever Peter told them to do because of this pricking in their heart. Because Mm -hmm. they said, what shall we do? That's the very same thing 
That's the very same thing that Paul said, what shall we do? And guess what? What did Christ say to Peter? It's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Remember that? Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's hard for you to kick against the pricks. Well, then Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now listen, um, one of the things that uh, I want to make clear with everyone on here, we're not against baptism. We are for biblical baptism. Mm -hmm. However, do not believe that the Bible teaches infant baptism. Uh, and I'm not going to get into that tonight, but I'm just going to tell you that uh, scriptural baptism, uh, it says, repent and be baptized. Now, uh, I, I, I think that this, in another place, talks about baptism being an outward sign of an inward work. Okay, in other words, it's a it's a declaration of a good conscience before God and man that what Christ has done for you. That's what it is. It's an outward sign of an inward work that's already happened. Now he says, the promise is unto you and your children and all that are for all, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. <laughs> Without the calling, no one's going to repent. No one's going to be uh, scripturally baptized, no one's going to turn to Christ or do anything without the effectual call. It's just not going to happen. Right. John six thirty, John six thirty seven says, "All that the Father hath given me will come to me, and all that come to me I will in no wise cast out." John six twenty nine says, "This is the work of God that you believe on Him. It's the work of God." Mm -hmm. And so He says, "As many." Other words, did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation? You know, that would be a good exhortation for us to proclaim to these, uh, per this perverse generation that we're living in. You know, mm -hmm. he's, not, he's not saying to go out and save yourself as far as spiritual salvation. He's saying <laughs> right here, they've already been saved. They already have life. They already have eternal life. But he knew that they were living in the midst of a perverse generation. And he was mm -hmm. calling them to come from them and be separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. And that's what we've been exhorted to do. And then he says, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and that same day were added unto them 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. That goes back to the teaching of Brother Mark on giving, okay? Yeah. Notice it says, they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need, okay? And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, to eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. That's a good verse because in another yeah. place it tells 
as many as were ordained to eternal life believe. That's is saying the very same thing. Says the Lord right. added to the church daily, such as should be saved. Another way of saying that, if we were going to, if we were to use the process of negation here, forty-seven, the Lord didn't add anyone to the church that shouldn't have been saved. <laughs> okay. Right. In right. other words, it goes, works both ways. The only yes. people that are going to be added are those who are ordained to eternal life. So, okay, right. I'm going to turn it back to Mark and uh, let Mark kind of conclude with his remarks on this, on these uh, passages. Go ahead, Mark. Exactly. That's exactly right, Brother Larry. Now, these these two verses here, verse 37 and, and 38, and the and the the Holy Spirit does it by convicting their heart. And using the instrumentality of the spoken, preached word from the pages of Scripture, I'm reminded of that other one, how will they hear unless the preacher is sent? And so the Lord has the ordination of the preacher being sent to speak the Holy Spirit-inspired word of God into the ear. The ear hears the Spirit applies that heard word from the pages of inspired Scripture and lays the convictions on the heart to say, what shall we do? Right. Good point. Now, I think uh, I would say this, that uh, sometimes I think people uh, take this path, or not this passage, but many passages, Yes. Try to just try to justify uh, the Arminian doctrine in free will evangelism. That's not what we're saying here. In other words, God is the instrument that uses. God can use anything He wants to bring a man to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. In other words, He used a donkey in the Old Testament to, to do what He needed to do. Uh, remember Correct. what? Remember how He. Uh, brought Jonah to the place where Jonah said, "Salvation is of the Lord." Okay, he spewed Jonah out of the out of the fish's mouth on dry land. Okay, and and Jonah sought repentance. Okay, for running from God for doing what God told him to do. And so we're not saying that there is. Uh, in other words, I I think we when we take. Uh, scripture in its totality um, and we see that in John the third chapter the chronology of events that Christ lays out for quickening he says that first and foremost before any repentance or conversion or anything takes place he says that verily verily I say unto you except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God. So part of right. seeing the part of seeing the kingdom of God is being born of the Spirit, like uh, Brother Mark said, the Holy Spirit. Jesus answered, "Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit." So. Um, we do believe in proclaiming the gospel, 
far and wide. That's why we're going around the world preaching the gospel. But at the same yeah. time, we realize that God is in charge of who he gives the hearing to, hearing of the ears and sight to the blind. So, um, Amen. Well, I'll tell you what, we got through that pretty quickly. Um, I wanted to put the one other short passage of Scripture before we conclude tonight. Um, in the uh, 13th chapter of Acts, uh, if we could just look there briefly, um, I think uh, I want to just look at a few things there. You know, uh, God has always had his people wherever wherever we go, God has his remnant. And, uh, but there's also, like we said this morning, there's also always opposition, isn't there? There's always yes. those who try to come against God in his work. And mm. here we have an example of a sorcerer. And I want Mark, if you would, to read just a few passages here and see how um, how that the Apostle Paul dealt with this. Uh, beginning with the sixth verse uh, of the 13th chapter of Acts and going down to the 11th uh, verse. If you could read 6 through 11 for us, my Brother Mark. Okay, Acts chapter 13, starting at verse 6 down to verse 11. Okay, verse 6. And when they had gone through the isle under Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. Verse 7, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. Verse 8, but Elimus, the sorcerer, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Verse 9, then Saul, who is who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him, verse 10, and said, O full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? Verse 11, and now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season, and immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. What a story. You know, here a guy is, he's coming against. Yeah. Coming against, coming against the gospel. And this deputy who was seeking the word of God and seeking the truth, and yep. this source tries to uh, come against the word of God and and to cause this deputy to stray from wanting to hear the gospel and the faith. Now, what's so interesting is um, this when the deputy, when he saw what was done, I'm reading verse 12, then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. 
he was he was not just astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. He was astonished at the power of God demonstrated yeah. on this source, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, now I I tell you um, this is something that I think uh, we need to be aware of that God is not this little wimp that is just waiting on people to do his bidding. Right. God is, God is powerful. I remember when I was a child coming up, uh, they used to sing this song a lot, Softly and Tenderly Jesus is Calling. Mm-hmm. It's, not always soft, it's not always softly and tenderly. Right. It's not always softly and tenderly. What about uh, uh, Ananias and Sapphira? wasn't softly and tenderly. (laughs) Okay, and so we need to be reminded and have an awesome fear and respect for God and realize that that when he speaks, we need to listen to the truth of his word. And this sorcerer found out. And it was a wonderful wonderful thing that happened as a result of this because this just gave further evidence this just gave further evidence to the deputy of the power of God, and he believed as a result of that. Yeah. Now we see this. We see the same thing throughout the Old Testament, don't we? Yeah. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ exemplified. Uh, you know, and they they said that he the Israelites went by a. Um, pillar of fire by night and, and whatever it was by day. Well, he was actively present in their exodus from Egypt as well as their journeying through the wilderness. But mm-hmm. how many times did God display his power over their enemies? Oh, and yeah. Over again. He brought water out of the rock. He brought manna from heaven. And then when they wanted some meat, he gave them quails until the quails came out there. You know, uh, yeah. what I'm trying to convey is that Jesus Christ is faithful to his people. It was ordained before the foundation of the world that this deputy believe upon him. But God used this situation with this sorcerer to bring this deputy himself. And so that that converts in our lives as well. We can see it in Joseph. I can see it in my own life, down through the year, years, how God has revealed himself to me, not only in his power, in his providence, in his protection, in his forgiveness, in his love, and in his wrath, and in his judgment. Mm-hmm. Uh, give us evidence that we're not bastards, that we're his children. Uh, right. What are your thoughts on What are your thoughts on that, Mark? Oh, this is, this, I really like this. Because, you know, the unregenerate people of the world think that Christians are weak and, and, and wimpy and all. And here's this government official inquiring of the Lord and then this agent of Satan trying to prevent that. And Paul looks at him straight up and he says, hey, don't mess with God. <laughs> and, he per- and he makes a pronouncement on him. And boom, the power of God hits him, and and the official 
sees it and the deputy that was inquiring of the Lord sees it and and is convinced in astonishment of the truth of the doctrines of the Lord. So this is a good example of of how Christians are not wimpy like the world thinks we're wimpy. That's right. That's right. You know, and sometimes like Brother Edward Henry was talking about in the last talk show, we were bringing up the question of how we should reply to our enemies, you know. Paul Paul told them very specifically, he said, do you have the right to beat a Roman citizen? He let them know, first of all, that he was a citizen of Rome. And then he questioned questioned their right to do what they were about ready to do. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I think that is the mandate for us as well. If if government comes against us, I had that happen. Everybody knows I had that happen in my life where I was told I had to do this. And I said, no, my, my conscience will not let me do that. You know, we are not to... Uh, come under any law that circumvents God's law, okay? In other words, if God says, God says, thou shalt not commit adultery, okay, and our employer tells us, look, you know, it's no problem if you go out and have, you know, sex with someone outside your marriage, and, you know, we need to Mm -hmm. do this just for the company's sake, I know right. some companies that absolutely reinforce adultery. I know yeah. some companies that absolutely promote, okay, gambling and the lottery and prostitution and all kinds of things. But we That's are amazing. we are not. Paul says, Paul says, look, shall we sin so that grace will abound? God forbid. Right. And that, that goes that goes along with. If someone comes to you and says, look, if you're a government employee, for an example, and you're told uh, that you cannot speak out, you cannot speak out your conscience regarding your thoughts on these things, whether it be homosexuality, whether it would be gambling, whether it would be abortion, whatever it might be, the government cannot coerce you or bind your conscience the Bible and God takes precedence over the government. Okay, and I want Amen. people to know that. Well, listen, Amen. I'm pretty much through for tonight. I want to um, just, um, I think Rosette and Mark want to sing one last hymn. Uh, but before oh. we do that, I want to make I want to make some announcements. Uh, tomorrow night, Edward Henry is going to be on with us, and the topic is. Why do pastors refuse uh, persons to talk about biblical cosmology and lay the charge that those who talk about it and discuss it are causing discord among the brethren? Why is that? Ed's going to cover that. It'll be a good discussion. Also, Wednesday night, well, uh, every Wednesday night, uh, Mark Kennedy um, is in charge of the Wednesday night topic, and he will be addressing uh, addressing us Wednesday night at 6 o'clock here Central Time. And then we'll be back again on Friday night. Mark and I have started a Bible study 
called Mark calls it in my father's house, and I'm not sure what uh, our next Friday night topic will be about. And then we'll be back together next Sunday morning with Mark and Sunday evening with Mark. Uh, Mark, yes. uh, Mark Phillips, what what song do you want to sing? One ninety one. Oh sir, we would see Jesus. Oh sir, we would see Jesus. It's taken out of the old school hymnal. And uh, let's see if we can get this over here. (laughs) 
Rick, I didn't tell him that I was going to unmute his mic, but anyway, uh, Rick, if you can hear me, we were glad that you could join us tonight. We also were glad that um, John from Toronto could join us. And I don't know if, Rick, if you had a chance to listen to the study tonight, but I was going to get any feedback that you had regarding what I didn't know how long. How long yeah, Larry. Yeah, uh, how long did you to be on? Can you hear me? I'm sorry. How about now? We're getting a we're getting a lot of feedback. Lost or something? I'm uh, outside on my bike here. Uh, you, know, uh, you can hear me now. I can hear you. Yeah, we were just getting, we were there? Just getting along. We were, can you hear me okay? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, good. Right. Sounds like, sounds like you're in. Yeah, I was just uh, listening to what you guys are saying in there. I don't know if you um, – that, to me, some of my thoughts was uh, – is an example in the book of Acts where Jesus said to pray for your enemies. Yes. And uh, that was one of the – that was one of the examples of uh, – of, uh, uh, Paul's obedience to Jesus to uh, pray for his enemies, as far as Simon the sorcerer is concerned, when he's uh, trying to block the gospel, getting to uh, those uh, of uh, God's elect, and uh, right. that's that's a, a ministry of either mercy. God is, uh, as you guys uh, were mentioning, is, I love it. Uh, Ephesians two, a God who is rich in mercy. Right. And then that God is the God of judgment. Right. And uh, see, a lot of people reminded me of uh, some of those adversaries that at uh, your former work, they died. That was God's judgment on them. You know, as far as I'm right. concerned, when I when I uh, when I heard that those people that uh, some of those people that were your co-workers, some of them died. Right, right. Yeah. The, yeah. the apple of God's eye. Yeah. And, I would uh, just... <laughs> so, uh, so, and I've had that uh, uh, experience at work too, where, you know, like uh, Catholic witches, you know, coming against me as nurses, you know, trying to get me fired. Yeah. Right. And uh, I come in, I come into work, I come into work one day. And they're having a memorial with their picture right there on the nurse station. She died of a heart attack. She was like about 36. Wow. Yeah. You know, so um, it is it is righteous judgment to pray yes. um, for uh, when when they're trying when uh, people are trying are standing as the Holy Spirit leads to um, uh, pray uh, against them and uh, and. And and then God uh, kills them. You know? Yeah, because they're his. They're his enemies. And uh, our God is a God of war. You know, he, he said, "Well, he, right, he, well, he's a God of peace. He's love. Yeah, except when he's not a, except when he's at war. 
Right. And right, he does, right. uh, he's angry with the wicked all day long. You know, so um, that was some of my thoughts. So, yeah. again, that was yeah. excellent tonight with you guys. Yeah, I think, um, you know, sometimes people will use that as a weapon against God's true people, too. In other words, just this last week I had someone use that against me, saying God's going to get you uh, because we were in disagreement on a doctrinal thing, and I didn't want to uphold Regarding cosmology, and this person came against me, and even came against me on Facebook. And I just said, I don't want to continue this in an open. Forum. I don't want to. But sometimes people use that as a weapon. As a weapon. And if you don't agree with them on everything, then you're causing discord among the brethren. Or you are, God's going to get you because you're not helping me. God's going to get you. You know, you're coming against one of God's anointed. I heard Benny Hinn use that even, saying, touch yeah. not one of God's anointed. Well, listen, Benny Hinn's not anointed of God. I'm sorry. He's a, he's yeah. a false teacher. Well, he's not. Okay. And, yeah. and he's not because uh, I've heard uh, some famous uh, hypnotists uh, that are famous in uh, Las Vegas. That they were asking about Benny Hinn and said, "Yeah, he's he's a great hypnotist." Uh, you know? Yeah, yeah. He's and, another and so they they, rec- they recognize those parts. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, he's another sorcerer, like we read tonight. He's a sorcerer. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. Now, somebody did a, a, a research on Simon the Sorcerer, and. Uh, uh, some of his followers, the teachings and all that, are uh, basically uh, what uh, started uh, uh, Catholicism, because Roman Catholicism is empowered by black witchcraft. Mm-hmm. Now that's yeah. usually that's just saying something like that. That's usually something like uh, I, you know you can say, well, I just made myself unpopular again with everybody, you know. <laughs> And uh, just because <laughs> uh, ex-Catholic priests have have uh, test have testified that when they're that they're uh, holding up that cup of abominations, the chalice and stuff, with the cup of abominations and stuff, uh, that, yeah. they said that this this psychic uh, power that hits that because they're worshiping the sun god, and then it goes through him, and it goes into the. Uh, uh, into the, uh, the congregation, and uh, when people say, "Well, uh, I felt such such a," it was such a spiritual experience. Well, it was, but it was demonic. It wasn't. A, it wasn't of the Holy Spirit. And just like uh, uh, Father uh, Chatterley, uh, he wrote a book. Uh, Jack Chick has it called 50 Years in the Church of Rome." And yeah, uh, yeah. and so I was raised Catholic. And so uh, when the priest goes and raises it up, he turns it back to the congregation. Well, he was doing uh, this, this father Chattaquee was doing the same thing. And then God, uh, the Holy Spirit, speaks to him and says, what are you doing? And she's wanting to know where this voice is coming from. <laughs> and he goes, he says it again. He goes, I said, what, what are you doing? He says, what do you mean? He says, I never told you to do this. 
so he, he turns around, faces the congregation, puts the chalice down, and walks out of the church, and then never returned. And that's where, wow. uh, and then later, uh, it, that's when he was quickened by the Holy Spirit and born, born wow. again. So I've used that testimony a lot. Pardon? It's a great testimony. It that's really true. is. You know, coming from the horse's mouth, you know, just like uh, <laughs> with uh, Richard, uh, uh, Bennett. Uh, Bennett. Bennett, yes. Yeah. Right. And so that's really, that's wonderful about it. his testimony about, you know, when the people would come to him uh, to uh, hear, hear uh, to confess their sins to him. And he said, uh, you don't need to confess to me. You need to confess it to God. And that's where uh, he's got loggerheads with uh, his parish. And uh, he was asked to leave as well. <laughs> wow. So, you know, I, mean, I, got an, I got an email today from Richard Bennett. We're pretty, we're pretty oh, is that right? Okay. And, yeah. And you uh, said that literally thousands and thousands of people are now coming out of the Roman Catholic Church because of all this sexual abuse that has been um, exposed. And that's, a, yes. that's an answer to right there. That's a definite. It really answer. is, Larry. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah. yeah, it's 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 nothing but a Babylonian sex cult. You know, yeah, that's right. everything that uh, what uh, uh, Edward had researched in his book, you know, from uh, whatever. I can't reiterate this enough. The Ralph Woodrow, who wrote the two Babylons, and then later on uh, repudiated it. You know, and just poo-pooed everything right. that he ever wrote against Catholicism that ended up in, you know, in the back stakes Bible and all that. That um, mm-hmm. uh, he just, he just, you know, God said, okay, I'm, I want you to continue my work about exposing the whore of Babylon. Right. And that, that's basically what uh, I see that uh, Ed is, uh, Edward uh, did in his book, uh, yeah. Babylon. So, praise God. Yeah. Yeah, he has, and he also does quite a bit of uh, exposing it, even in the anti-gospel, but he goes into a lot more depth into his book on Babylon. And then I love his book, Bloody Zion, as well. Mm. And, um, yeah. But anyway, um, well, listen, uh, we're kind of getting to the end of the <clears throat> end of the hour here. Rick, I'm glad you could join I us. Wanted, and I, I had... wanted... Okay. Go ahead. If I if I may, Larry, I just want to mention more, one more thing about it. What is that? Uh, it's really neat when uh, just like just like a, with any other thing that uh, like drugs or sex and rock and roll and coming out of uh, uh, wickedness and being quickened. That uh, we, uh, those of us that have come out of these areas, the we bodies buried, you know. And, right. Uh, right. Uh, it's just, just like with Catholicism. Uh, uh, trying to cover up all, all this, these sex scandals, like a cat in a cat box, you know, God uh, is either taking the clay away <laughs> so they can't cover yeah. it up anymore to expose for what it really is. Yeah, in fact, you know, even on this situation with the uh, cosmology, I've gotten into some very lengthy discussions with Edward Henry, and he he knows the history of NASA, and NASA was started by a guy by the name of Parsons, who was deep, deep into the occult. 
And in fact, oh, wow. uh, NASA and the all of the astronauts almost across the board are very, very, very deep into the Masonic Lodge, and they all have to be Masons. And so, you know, we're going to find we're going to find a lot more material coming out as this is exposed on NASA and their ties to the occult. But I won't get into that tonight. Well, listen, guys. Thank you a lot for coming on. Thanks for all of our Facebook guests as well. And uh, yeah. you guys, uh, Rick and um, Mark, have a have a blessed week. I'm gonna go ahead and sign off here because we're coming down to the end of my end of my hour here. All Good right. Night. God bless you, Good Rick. God bless you, God bless our audience. Yeah. Good night, Rick. Yeah. <laughs>